Welcome to the Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. Here with me today, I have a two-year partner in the Adventures of Property Management. His name is Chris and he's a member of a larger partnership that he is in with other investors known as Round Oak, the Round Oak Partnership, if you will. And Chris is uh, here with me today to talk about operating real estate during the, the COVID era, the last two years of doing property management, real estate investing inside of COVID. So Chris, I want to thank you for joining us today. Yeah, Aaron, thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to join and, and talk about our, our relationship and our dealings over the last two years. Fantastic. Um, so Chris, just to start us off, I would like for our listeners to know that I, I've laughed with you over the last couple of years telling you that I often speak to you more than I've spoken to my own wife on a daily basis. That is a, that is a good point. I think, I think you and I on average have talked at least once a day for the last year and a half. Um, certainly more than I talk on the phone to almost anybody else. Yeah, I, it's it's I, I find it actually quite endearing that that I, I can know that when we text during the day that that it's going to probably lead to a, a conversation. And I, I think that hopefully our listeners will be able to pick up on uh, just the kind of natural chemistry that you and I have. And, and there's a reason why we have that chemistry. I believe it's because you are one of four partners in a real estate investment partnership. The partner that you are in that partnership is the operating partner. So when you and I initially met, I understood you as being a decision maker and an analyst for your partnership and that um, that you and I were going to be making a lot of decisions together throughout the, the course of our relationship. So I was wondering if you could tell us just a little bit about yourself, about how you came to become interested in real estate investing and then how this partnership came about. Sure. So a little bit about myself. My background is is more of a an accounting background. I, I am a CPA by trade, but I work for a real estate company that manages and owns a, apartment uh, real estate. And so I've, I've always kind of been interested in that. And then, you know, just through through friendships from from people that I knew from college, as well as, you know, other people that I've met within the, the Memphis area, um, really started talking about getting and owning some real estate, and there was a, there was actually a group of guys um, again that I that I went to school with that they had, they had started a a small organization where they were buying and, and renting properties. Um, they had a need where a, another partner was was getting out, and they wanted to bring somebody else on, and it was at a time where you know I been feet first. And so, you know, I was able to, to hook up with them and, and kind of my role in it, as you mentioned, was because I've, I'm, I'm here in the, I'm here um, with, a, with a background in, in with some real estate. I, you know, I agreed that I would, would work on the kind of day-to-day operations uh, along with another one of our partners, Adam, um, while our other two partners would kind of be more on the on the back end, you know, recruiting investors or you know, looking for for deals in in the market and that sort of thing. And so that's kind of how our our roles are defined within the partnership. 
Got it. And so it sounds like the the partnership came together in a very organic way. You know, if you don't have good chemistry with the the other people that you're partnering in a long term investment like real estate investment, then it's it's going to be a very challenging partnership. I think it's really cool, you know, that you uh, got into this partnership with people that you knew or that you knew of through your personal relationships. And so when when investors do come to me and they say, well, I'd like to form a partnership with someone in order to expand my buying capacity or um, share the load of management and debt servicing and all of this other stuff, I often recommend that they should talk to people that they know that they should consider and survey their their friend and professional group in order to to think about those people that would be the most qualified to to work with them and uh, people with whom they've got a good working relationship. So I remember when you and I first met, one of your partners had reached out to me and said, and I didn't even know you, he hadn't mentioned your name yet. And he just said, hey, I'm part of a partnership. Uh, we own at the time about 30 houses some somewhat in flux, you know, around that 30 house range, 25 to 30 house range. And he said, we need help. We've been self-managing. And one of the reasons why I would like for you to be our property manager is because we're all moving and we're all, you know, our families are growing and we're, we're having children or we're sending kids, you know, uh, off to college or, or we need help. You know, we need boots on the ground, someone who will professionally assist us in the management of these properties. And of course, I signed on very quickly. I met with you and your vision for your partnership two years ago was different from the way that your vision is now. Do you happen to remember where you were? You know, it would have been January, I think, of 2020 or maybe December of, of 2019 when we first met and started discussing your plan. It was very different from where it is now. Do you remember where it was? It, yeah. So, you know, back then when we were kind of bringing you into the fold and asking you to help us manage these properties, you know, our, our goal was to take all these properties that we had and we had a, a, a pretty good mix of properties that were, some of what I'll call appreciating assets where, you know, we, we were holding them, we were renting them, but, you know, long-term plan is that they're going to continue to appreciate. We had some that were strictly cash flow, you know, in our minds, they, you know, they rent well, they provide cash on a monthly basis, but don't expect much in terms of appreciation on those. They're in areas that, you know, the, the price kind of is what it is. And so, you know, our, our plan was we're going to hold all of these properties properties. We're going to continue to to rent them, obviously hope to, to grow the rents over time, use that money to, to pay down our, our mortgages that we have on the properties and, you know, ultimately just kind of operate these properties for, for a period of time. And then, you know, eventually get to a point where we were selling these properties and, and paying off investors. Our time horizon on that was was pretty far down the road, and I think what what you're hinting at here is, you know, over the last really call it year, but really accelerated over the last nine months or so, we've kind of had a switch and, and moved up that selling timeline on some of our properties just because of the market and and how overheated it has been that you know we're we're seeing uh, on properties that you know I called cash flow a minute ago where we didn't anticipate there would be much appreciation we're seeing appreciation that is 
sometimes up, upwards of 100% from what we bought the the properties at. And so we're, we are you know, currently going through and evaluating all of our properties and taking advantage on some of those where, you know, we feel that the market's right for us to, to take our profits on the sell side and recycle that capital, whether it be paying off some investors that we have internally or using that to buy another um, uh, another property in a, in a different area or um, just kind of evaluating what that looks like. Yeah, and without going backward in the in the description of what you're talking about, and I, and I, I think we may even have to have a follow-up conversation later and and talk to the Chris of 2018 and 2017 who, you know, before this big boom and explosion in property values, uh, you know, it was that Chris, honestly, and, and your partners at that time who were purchasing property, the, those were the partners who were choosing individual property. So I don't want to spend too much time today talking about how you came into the properties that you had. You know, I am a little bit curious about how you financed it with, with your partners, because I, I, there are a lot of people out there that are wanting to do what you're doing. You know, they want to form these partnerships and purchase large packages of properties. And so to kind of stay on, on your last point, you accelerated your desire to sell. So now you've sold out of, let's say that you're still in that 26, 27 property range before this big sale cycle, which kind of happened over the last year. You've now sold out about would you say 13 properties? Are we at that point? Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to be by the end of next month, we're going to be down to about 20 total properties. So we started with about 33, 34 doors. We are now going to be down to about 20. So yeah, that's right. And at risk of, you know, showing your hand, you know, as it were, can you tell us like your long-term goals for the remaining 20 and then answer the question of, do you anticipate acquiring more real estate? And if so, when and what will that look like? Sure. Yeah. I mean, like you said, without, without giving away too much, you know, we have, we have a partnership with four partners and, you know, if, if I'm looking at 20 years down the road, you know, what I'd love to have is that, you know, we've got core group of houses, what that number looks like. I don't know. I mean, you know, is it, is it 15 houses? Is it 20 houses? Is it 10 houses or is it 50 houses? I don't, again, I don't know exactly what that number looks like, but we've got a core group of houses that are paid off that are providing cash flow monthly. And that, you know, at some point when we agree as a partnership, because we've got a good relationship and we, we say, you know what, it's kind of time to end this, let's sell this off. And we get a really good chunk of capital back that has appreciated over time, that has provided monthly cash flow. And, you know, we're able to each take our, our fourth of that money and, you know, kind of ride off into the sunset with it. So that's kind of where we are in terms of long term. Now, like I said, I don't know what that that number of houses looks like. And I think that that speaks a little bit to the second part of your question, which is, you know, do we anticipate that we'll we will buy some more houses, you know, and a corollary to that is do we anticipate that we will sell some more? And the short answer to that is, yes, I do anticipate that there will be transactions. Um, And I certainly think that we would be interested in in buying more houses. Um, as far as timing goes, I, you know, we're, we're pretty cautious with our money. There's, there is a lot of capital out there right now that is, is really driving the prices up. 
And, you know, we want to be cognizant of how we use our funds. And so do I anticipate that we will be making a, a huge splash in the next, call it six to nine months? I don't think so. I think we I think we can find better uses of our capital, um, either with our, our investors or, um, you know, just kind of paying off some you know, maintenance on the, the current properties and really making them as, as valuable as we can. Um, but I do anticipate that we'll get back in. And when we do, I think we will be more focused on the, the type of market, sub-market really, um, that we're in. And, you know, we've had a good couple of years where we've we've built some knowledge on what type of houses we want whether it be you know do we want to rent a two-bedroom house do we want to make sure that all of our rentals are three-bedroom two-bath do we want to you know get some duplexes do we want to look at any multifamily that sort of thing and so we've 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 really kind of built our, our own strategy of what our ideal house looks like and so we're really we like focus on on that as we go into the next buying cycle whenever the market turns for that yeah and all of that is fantastic and i think that your strategy is fantastic too It, it sounds like you're very more or less very comfortable with the completion of your plan for 2020 or 2021 i should say you went into 2021 i remember that you called me in in either late 20 i think it was late 20 and um and you said, you know, hey, we're, we're kind of moving, going in a different direction. Then we had a much larger call in January, February of 2021. And we talked about the strategy that that you had moving forward. And you were so apologetic on the front end, just like so many of my investors. I've got a lot of investors that are like you. They are well-structured, either in their partnerships or they have cash reserves or they had this long-term plan. And the market boom in 2021 just really accelerated that plan. And, I, you know, for all of our listeners, I think that they understand they have been able to feel this rush in the market. You said with all this capital that's in the market right now to acquire real property, and we won't go too deep into it. And we're, really, we don't even have to talk about it. Historically low interest rates and cost of lending, uh, the money still to this very day just feels almost like it's free financing. And that's that's a huge deal. And if people are able to to get into real estate now and lock that in, even with the the cost of real estate they're still able to get an edge as an investor through a low cost of borrowing. So there's so many factors that are just fueling this overheated marketplace like what you're talking about right now. But I'm really proud of Round Oak. I think you guys are are brilliant. You know, I've spoken to uh, every one of the of the main four partners. Of course, Matt that we've referred to before is, you know, was a a personal friend for years before we ever got into business. And um, I've really enjoyed working with Matt. And I feel like our like we've got good chemistry. The five of us have got really great chemistry. And so I've really appreciated how how you've worked with us over the years. Can you tell me uh, just to reel it back to property management for a second? How has working with enterprise property management, especially during covid, how have you seen a benefit with having a professional property management company maybe versus having done it yourself over the last 18 months? For me, the kind of the biggest thing that that has been very helpful is, is really on the application and the initial tenant placement process has been a big help with, you know, everything from the, the background checks to the income checks to the, 
you know, credit scores and everything else and compiling that information and, and getting that to us in a fashion that is timely, that is summarized well, where, you know, I can, I can just, again, I'm, I'm a numbers person. That is, that is my background. So being able to see something and just taking that information saying, is this person going to be qualified enough to pay the rent on time and that sort of thing? It has been extremely helpful. It takes us, frees up time from having try to, you know, put out a feeler for a tenant, try to put out a, an ad on Zillow or, you know, something, just something out in the, the cyberspace to, to find a tenant. You guys have, have that. You have a, a pool of tenants that are available. And so that just overarching has been a, a big help for us. Um, and, and just it, it has helped improve the quality of tenants that we have as far as as it relates to, to COVID and, and it, the, the pitfalls and, and that sort of thing. You know, we have certainly run into some some areas where we've had non-paying tenants some of which have, have been the direct result of the pandemic, right? They've, they've lost jobs. They've made every effort that they can to pay, but they're just unable to come up with the, the money. And then some that have, have been less ethical and maybe, you know, maybe they haven't lost their jobs, but they've taken advantage of the fact that the, the eviction moratoriums are, um, are in place and, you know, you can't, uh, landlords have no recourse, right? And you guys have really helped us kind of walk through that path and, and understand, you know, where we can get money. You've really helped with some of the eviction settlement funds that the local government has put out there. You know, we've, we've been able to take advantage of that a couple of times with a couple of different tenants. And then, you know, we've had a couple of, of, hard situations where we have had to to have people move out either you know they're they're not taking the evictions they're not responding i'm sorry not the evictions the eviction funds they're not responding they're not you know working in in any form or fashion with us and and you you kind of helped us on on those situations where we have to get them out the door and ultimately get the property back for for our team yeah, and it's funny to me um, the, the the thing that you just said really has been, in my experience, the main topic of conversation that you and I have had over the last eighteen months. In particular, you and I often spoke about the last conversation that we had with a particular tenant, or at the very beginning of COVID. Well, I can't say the beginning. Let's say August or September of last year. So about a year ago in twenty twenty we knew at that time which of your tenants were not going to be paying rent and they had made it very clear or they had stopped communicating to remind our listener in September of 2020, the initial eviction moratorium, which was based on Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans. If you'll remember that you and I, Chris, we went through and were determining like how these loans uh, were financed or how your houses were financed or which ones were free and clear, which ones had been financed through uh, a federally backed mortgage program. The courts actually closed regardless uh, the local courts basically said, we, we can't weed out, you know, we can't help the homeowner or the investor determine if their loan is federally backed or not federally backed. 
So therefore, we're just going to close our doors. And um, I remember I, I had to have several conversations with you as to what our rights were in that situation. And so I had to get, have my own legal advice, you know, and, and, and get that from my attorney and have him tell me what the courts were going to do or not going to do or whether or not we had to wait or if we had any rights at all. And then, of course, one of your partners is an attorney as well and is, has done very well for himself. And so he actually had to go and do his own research and digging and, uh, and realize that we weren't going to be able to move forward with those evictions. You know, I, I want our listener to know that Chris and I spoke about this almost every weekday and then every now and again on a weekend date. And so what I'm so proud of Chris with, with you and me is that we walked through this together on a level that I don't know that many other property managers and investors did. I'm, I'm actually quite, grateful, you know, for, for your patience as we were learning about what these eviction moratoriums meant, how we were to empower you to, uh, to continue to operate your investments during the first waves of COVID and, and, and the legal response, uh, and the government response in that situation. It was very, very challenging. And, you know, for the listener, there were several times that Chris and I would get off the phone and we wouldn't have any answers. You know, and I would say, Chris, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to find out and I'm going to write emails and I'm going to make phone calls and I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to find the answer for you. And Chris was very patient to say, you know what, Aaron, this is very frustrating. It's not your fault. Whatever you can do to get me an answer on this, I'd really appreciate it. And, um, Chris, you were a, you were a good friend, honestly, throughout that entire process. And I'm, I'm, I wish that I could take that patient part of your disposition, you know, and train other investors as to how to see challenges because your group, your investment group and your houses, your single package, you guys were hit more with the challenges of COVID than any other investment group that I work with. And yet here we are on the back end of those initial challenges and I believe that you have profited more than any other group that I've worked with. And so that patience that you had uh, in that during the time of challenge, it really paid off for you. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And it was certainly, certainly helpful, you know, what, what you and your team and, and, you know, your legal counsel and everything else was able to to pull together for us. And like you said, there were times where, where you and I would talk and it'd be, you know, essentially me just, just venting frustrations at, <laughs> at the process itself. Right. It, it was not, not like you said, it wasn't necessarily uh, associated with you or anything you were doing. It's just, you know, the, the sort of thing of, of why why does the tenant get this and why did they not have to hold to to their end of the contract and and you know the landlord is stuck kind of kind of holding the bag you know especially when you know a, a lot of the the discussion goes around and, and it's the, the the big landlord is the bad guy and they're trying to kick people out and not the case, right? Like, you know, we're, we're trying to work with people and we, you know, we, we the last thing we want to do is, is set somebody out of their home and, and put them, put them out. Right. But at the same time, we are not, you know, people holding an endless bag of money. You know, we still have mortgages to pay to the bank and we still have, you know, other expenses that we have to cover. And so, you know, we we want to help, but we also need the the other people to uphold their end of the bargain. And so, you know, there was a, there was a lot of frustration on my end with you on just kind of talking through that uh, that dynamic. But 
that being said, I do, I do think that you know, we kind of came out in in general. We've we've been been very well blessed. We really at the at the end of the day, we've kind of only had one major hiccup property out of yeah. <laughs> all, all thirty. Um, you know, certainly don't don't necessarily want to get into that on this, but you know, one out of thirty is is really not a, a terrible percentage there when when you look at it in the grand scheme of things yeah and just for the listener i do want to point this one thing out in my opinion cause that frustration and then i want to ask you a question on your way out about about your experiences so on that one house the eviction moratoriums the delays in the courts like if this is one of those things that you know you for the listener that's not yet investing in real estate you've read articles about you could read a hundred articles a day on eviction moratoriums on communities that are being f- affected by covid on job loss on how this is affecting the average american and what kind of protections are there for that average american and you can read about it and and you can you can think that you understand it, but the reality is you don't understand it until you're put in a position to where you have to be a responsible party in that situation. And so enterprise property management is, we consider ourselves to be a very responsible party. Um, we, we do property management every day. We're professional landlords. We do something that most people would never in their wildest dreams ever want to do. And we have to give bad news and we have to be constant and faithful and integrous in our in our work. We are not slumlords. And so in this situation where the law very clearly stated that we were, as a management company, not allowed to help our investors uh, get the property back because the tenants had rights and the residents had rights, we followed that rule. And we said, you know, I'm sorry. And Chris and I had this conversation several times. We can't, we literally cannot do anything. I can't. You know, the courts aren't open or the law says I can't move forward. And so the residents were protected in that situation and they were able to stay and hopefully make some decisions in their own lives as to how to better themselves or how to get get that second job or even get a job if they lost a job or relocate their family or whatever. So the government gave them that breather to figure things out. And and so we acknowledge that breather. The one mistake or the one trouble property that we had in that whole situation is where it was unclear to us as the property management company to Chris is the owner and to the resident even as to what the direction of the court was. And so in that situation, there there was a, a great deal of complication. And um, let's just say a lot of lessons were learned. And now everybody's walked away, you know, more or less from that situation. I was actually interacting with your realtor this morning about that particular property. And it seems like the path out is clear at this point. And so uh, I'm really happy that, you know, that we walked through this together and that, and, and I think even that one's going to be a success when it's all said and done. So I'm excited about that. I, I certainly hope that's, that's the case. You know, like I said, we, we, we definitely struggled with that one, but you know, we were able to work through a couple of others that, you know, like I said, we were able to get eviction funds from the city to, to help, you know, keep tenants in, in their homes, while still getting us paid, you know, we had other people that we were able to work out deals where they they left the, the home without getting, you know, marks on their record, and we were able to get the house back. And then we had other 
situations where you know we we were able to once the courts reopened to to go through the process of of filing for eviction and so we we kind of ran the gamut of all the different options from from keeping people in to, to taking funds from the city to you know obvi- uh, eventually having to evict certain people so you know certainly had to run the full gamut there and and you guys helped us with that well thanks you know i think you just made probably the best point of the entire conversation today which is that you have to look at all of your options you know the solution for a non-performing property due to a non-paying tenant prior to covid was eviction there was one solution for the investor and for 17 years leading up to the late 2019 early 2020 we and everyone in the united states that was their solution this tenant has to go they have to be evicted we showed up to court we showed the ledger to the judge the judge says yes i can see that the tenant has not paid their rent we received possession of the property possibly a judgment and within 10 days from that court date we removed the tenant from the property enterprise property management's part of that as a more compassionate person and hopefully the listener has been able to hear that chris is also a very compassionate person he's you know he is as concerned for his residents as we are and did everything that he could to keep them in the property like balancing that compassion with your profit goals and your you know your your motivation for investing in real estate which is to make money you know people don't get into real estate to lose money they get into real estate to make it and so chris and i worked together and we researched options and took advantage of several different op- different options in order to retain tenants keep them in their properties if that was at all possible and then if it wasn't possible did what the law would allow us to do which is to get the property back that's a great point um chris i'd I'd like to close us out if uh if you don't mind with one question you know looking back at, at your involvement especially with those 13 or so properties that you've sold and then you've already told us that you're you're going to hold on to those cash flowing properties that are most of which are paid off, which is super exciting. That's every investor's goal is to have paid off properties that are cash flowing because it frees you to make all kinds of other decisions as to what to do with those properties and how you want your future to look. And and we can talk it hopefully in a future episode about your plans to use those properties as your own bank, you know, and to lend it to yourself to acquire more real estate or do other investments. So anyway, here's my last question for you. Is there anything you would have done differently looking back at the last, well, at your entire uh, real estate investment experience? Like what would you do differently? Had you been able to see where you are now back then? Yeah, that's a, that's a a really good question. And, uh, you know, part of it probably goes back to how, how far back do you want to go, right? There are certainly, you know, looking back on it now, there, there are certain properties and, and it's property types, it's areas, it's locations, it's sub-markets, it's, it's that sort of thing that, you know, if I could wave a magic wand and go back five, six, seven years, I, you know, I probably wouldn't buy those properties. And that's, you know, they're, they're kind of personal decisions that, that we made. And inevitably, when you are investing in real estate, you know, you're going to hit some that are going to be just home runs, knock it out of the park. And then you're going to have others that, for whatever reason, you, you made a bad choice on the house. 
and it it just it it turned out to be you had to put a lot of capital into it you had you know it was it was a, a high turnover area you couldn't get a quality tenant just whatever the 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 reason or the rationale would be right there's always going to be some of those so so there's there's some of that right where there if i could go back that much further and and change that i would you know if we go back and and we look at you know our path over the last 18 months and say, all right, as, as we really went up about the process of recycling our capital, you know, would I, would I do a whole lot differently? I, you know, I really don't, don't think so. I think we've, we've done a good job of, of kind of trying to strike while the iron's hot. You know, we've had uh, multiple properties that we've been able to put up for sale and, you know, because of the capital that's out there, they, they've gotten into bidding wars and the price has gone up even further than what we thought was a high selling price. And, and then, you know, we've had some other ones that have, have sat on the market for a while and we've had to continue to drop the price until we got it to a, a point that, you know, the, the buyers are, are willing to take that. And so I think we've seen some, some super good highs. We've seen some, some lows that have been, you know, maybe not as productive as we thought they would be, but still, better than where we thought it was all it three or four years ago. Um, and so I, you know, as far as just a, a big picture, would we do stuff differently? I don't think so. Um, you know, if you want to start nitpicking, you know, I think on, on the one we talk about where, you know, we, we kind of had one out of 30 that didn't go well, are there things that we could have done differently? I, I think so. Um, but you know, you're, you're really getting into the minutia of the day-to-day yeah. operation. So I don't think there's a, a large overall change I would make. Well, you know, I, I would say the same back to you. I think that getting involved with your partnership has been one of the, uh, more interesting and rewarding relationships that we've picked up at enterprise and i'm not at all surprised that the very high level of strategy uh, that you had to employ in order to make sure that your end goals were accomplished that that strategy required that you and i maintain a daily conversation you know it my profession has only been 20 years long. I can absolutely tell you, and you already know this because I've told you, you know, in previous phone conversations, but there's no way that, that I would have been able to help provide the outcome for you and for Round Oak without your daily investment in conversation with me. It would have been absolutely impossible. And uh, looking back, i personally, professionally feel quite positive about the last 18 months. I, I feel like the reward has been the experience of working with you to see your success in all of this. And um, so I'm really, you know, thank you. Thank you for that. I'm grateful to you. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And that's, that's good to hear. And, you know, we certainly appreciated the, the help of, of EPM. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so Chris, I know you've got to go. Hopefully, you'll come back, you know, later, and we can talk about in in very general terms, of course, the next stage of your strategy to either acquire more real estate or or even just touch base with you and find out like how is owning paid off property, how is that benefiting you and your partners, and where are you going next? Like how is how is owning that real estate assisting you in your future? So again, thanks for coming on, Chris, and looking forward to even a brighter future. Yeah, no, Aaron, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on and uh, look forward to talking again in the future. All right. Thanks so much. 
Thank you for listening to Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. Be sure to subscribe at BehindTheCurtainPodcast.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Enterprise Property Management's real estate services, please visit us on the web at epmrealestate.com. This has been a Sound Ideas Group production for Enterprise Property Management, Inc.